What's going on, ladies, gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets, perverts, explorers of all kinds, new neighbors, old friends, those of you who wait to take the trash out at odd intervals, lest you bump into the weird guy downstairs. Welcome to Bust Your Mouth on Q4 Radio, QUE4.org, shot around the world, shots, what, shots, it's a show, uh, you know, it's about rock and roll, it's about sticking it to the man, it's about your big stupid feelings, it's streaming around the world every single Monday from 12pm to 2pm on Apple Radio, TuneIn app, 1680 AM in Chicago, and of course, Q4.org, we already spelled it once. Shots, I'm J.W. Basile, your host as always. Happy Monday. I hope it's going well for you. How's it going? How are you? Winter is starting to wind down. The sun is coming out and staying out later. The people are getting amorous. I can feel it. I can feel all of them crossing and uncrossing their legs beneath their desks in anticipation. The sad kid veil hath lifted for many. Uh, myself somewhat included, at least this week. Uh, I've got some I've got some big projects in the fire that, that I don't want to quite reveal yet. Not quite yet, but stuff is beginning to percolate. I love that word, percolate. I love it linguistically. I love it as a verb. I love it when the DJ says it's time! Time indeed for the percolator! You know there are, there's an astounding number of people in this country who do not get that reference? It's it's amazing. Like what It's what, it's what blew my mind the most uh, while touring, aside from like the multiple... Uh, regional quirks that happen all over the place. Many people outside of Chicago don't know the percolator. They don't know Yolanda. How do you not know Yolanda? They don't know. They didn't grow up with House. Like they didn't grow up with B ninety six. They 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 just heard. Let me clear my throat last week. If that's possible. Anyway, um, <laughs> hope it's going well for you. I got some things uh, that we're going to get into. We're going to get into. I'm excited about it. Uh, Alyssa uh, Thordeson is my guest this week. Uh, she's on the television box with the moving pictures. That's right. Uh, network television at that. She's uh, all over the all over the place. Uh, so we're going to get into some minutia, the real dope, uh, the, the, the nitty gritty of television today. We'll share some stories. We'll get into some feelings. We'll, we'll play some rock and roll. In fact, let's do that right now, as we always do. And while I kick out the jams, a thing happened to me this morning that I kind of want to uh, I, I want to discuss, and I'd like you to ponder for 60 seconds while the song plays the following thing. Everyone we know has social media. Many of our friends and contacts, acquaintances, uh, pretty much everyone has it, and a lot of those people have children. Like, So we watch them post, and we watch their children grow from a safe distance and memorize small things that we can bring up later to show that we care. Like, hey, remember when little Jake went to the monkey bars last august does 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 he still like monkey bars i pay attention and we watch right as our good hate good-hearted uh, acquaintances spill their joy and their love and their captions all over the place and it's very sweet uh for example a, f- a friend of mine this morning um on on the facebook not uh, not bragging uh, a friend of mine on the facebook uh you this morning he wrote um this like long post about how uh, how much he loved his kid and uh, his kids in middle school and and they had this real blow up and there was this big issue and but uh, he said that he still he still held them and um, even while they were like the punishing was happening like it was just and it was just very very sweet. But if you're over thirty, can you however can you imagine what your parents would have posted about you on social media? How freaking weird it would be to go back and read that thing. How freaking different it could have been. How wildly different. And wildly problematic, the posts would have been on Facebook one generation removed. Like, hey, dear Facebook, I think my kid's a fruit. Uh, Go Cub. I was just a hell man. Oh, that bad. 
Sports Boyfriend right there out of Chicago. Their, uh, their new track, their new single, Texarkana, uh, right there, along, along with uh, Quinn Devlin and the Bridge Street Kings, Harmar Superstar, Wilson Pickett, Beach Money, all kinds of good stuff happening in this uh, hour here on Bust a Mouth. B-U-S-T-E-D-M-O-U-T-H. Shots, you're here on Q4 Radio. Just wanted to drop in and tell you a very, very quick thing. Uh, so I, over the weekend, um, made a test because my partner's out of town, so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to order pizza and sit by myself and eat the whole thing and be sad. I didn't. I only ate half, and I felt good about that. I ate more than I probably should have, but, you know, that's life. Anyway, I thought I had a free pizza from Domino's. That's right, Domino's. I know what good pizza is. I know what good pizza is. Sometimes I still want Domino's. It's like why people make the, why would you have, why would you have hamburgers when you could have steak? I'm like, because sometimes I like a burger. So shut up and deal with it. Also, I can't eat cheese anymore, and Domino's uh, is one of the few pies that actually holds up well uh, with no cheese. Did you know that? So, hmm, maybe uh, check your privilege. Anyway, so I, <laughs> I get this free buy from Domino's on some like coupon deal or whatever it is. So I go, you know what? This is an opportunity to try some new things. So I went and I ordered pineapple on my pizza. Now, now, hold on. So as anybody who's, who's from Chicago or the general Chicago area or, uh, or New York, basically anybody who was raised with any sort of um, Italian-American lineage knows uh, that pe- pineapple does not belong on pizza. It's a, it's a bad idea, and I've always said that, but here's the thing. I never actually had pineapple on pizza. I just I rejected it outright. It was just like, no, does not exist. Uh, I just outwardly rejected it like most people do. Like we all talk about it, even though eh, maybe a lot of us haven't done it. And you know what I did? I got bacon and I got pineapple and I put it on my pizza and I ordered it because it was free. So it was like, hey, no, uh, you know, eh, 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 no risk here. So I ordered it. It was bacon. It was pineapple. I put it in my mouth. I ate it. And you know what? Pineapple definitely does not belong on pizza. It's terrible. I was right all along. I was right. The sky in front of you And her face is like a sail Spoken white so fair and pale Have you seen a lady a rainbow uh rolling stones off of their satanic majesty's request uh we all know it we all love it i can never remember the name of that song and uh we just had a had a joke about it anyway you listen to Buster mouth and q4 radio qe4.org shout out 1680 a.m in chicago of course uh apple radio the tune in app all over the damn place and of course uh the show is always rebroadcast as a podcast every uh single wednesday comes out on um, anywhere you get podcasts pretty much it's been stitcher and iphone i i don't care who cares you know where podcasts are go get them uh anyway i'm jw silly you're listening to bust mouth how are you you doing okay you hanging in are things okay i've got a guest with me today uh my esteemed guest today um hi Alyssa. how are hi, you i'm great how are you <laughs> i don't know i always think i'm gonna have this like great intro and then i never do i'm just bad at it uh, i'm gonna switch mic See that? Magic. Magic. America. The magic of radio. The magic of radio. Uh, and this is your first time on radio. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that still astounds me. I always assume that everyone's done like a lot of radio or a million podcasts or like every time I ask somebody for a podcast, I assume that they're like, oh, I do too many. I always, I get a ton of like voiceover auditions and sure. I'm kind of like, maybe, you know, it'd be fun to do a podcast. It'd be fun to do some like voice acting, but you know, never, haven't landed that yet. So this is, yeah, the, first, well. this is the first time. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous. You're a little nervous. Everybody wins. 
right? It's my preferred balance, yeah. Good. <laughs> as long like as it. I'm not the only one. <laughs> You're certainly not today. Um, before I'm, uh, I'm a little uh, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, that song, you chose it. I did. Tell me why. Tell me about it. Uh, well, you asked me for a lead-in song, and that was the first thing that came to mind, so I, I try not to argue with my instincts too much. Good call. Good call. Uh, but no, it's fun. It's whimsical. It's bright. It's an unexpected Stones thing, and uh, I really like the Stones, so that was it. When did that start? Oh, God, I was in high school. I mean, it was kind of a natural. I was a huge, huge Queen Bowie fan. Okay. Um, and still am, very much so. So, like, a natural progression of, like, really excellent showmen and frontmen and, and just musicians who are top tier, sort of. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So that that was sort of a... I like a, I like a showy frontman. Yeah, and who doesn't? <laughs> right. Like, we're, we're kind of running... I don't know. I wouldn't say that we're running out of rock stars, but the, the, the frontman as a premium is sort of over. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. We also aren't, the model isn't the same. So we, aren't, we aren't making music, we aren't making art in the same way that, that we used to, where it'd be like, you know, kids in a basement flat, they're sharing with five other people eating beans out of cans and just specifically only making things all day long. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, you can't do it anymore. It's tricky. It's definitely a lot harder. And I think that like as we continue to find out the, the uh, all the things that are attached to being that rock star, right. living that rock star life, we're like, <laughs> oh, problematic. A mm. uh, little bit more of a problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and like, you know, even Keith, Keith Richards talks about like the reason he did drugs was because he just wanted to be at home and play music with his family. But like he had to have this whole other fame thing going on. Mm. And, you know, that was the part that was unsta- unsustainable. Yeah. Like my partner read uh, Keith's autobiography. Mm. Have you read that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and she was like, I, I can't. I've just I she's and she's a huge Stones fan, but like read that autobiography and went like I don't know I can't respect him the same way or I don't remember her exact words I don't want to speak for her but mm. she was definitely like I'm really a little shook about this because there was apparently a, I didn't finish it because it was way too thick and I don't read good so you know that's <laughs> that goes I don't remember feeling that way I mean I remember when it first came out what was the time that I read it so it was you know ten eleven years ago so mm-hmm. it's not super fresh in my brain but I didn't know very much about Keith aside from. Just the records at that point. So sure. it was all very like, oh, I didn't know this. And like, oh, the Anita Pallenberg thing. And like, mm. oh, let's find out about Patty Hanson. And like this whole love triangle. Like, it was all very, mm-hmm. it was very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is. Like there's there's that whole uh, p- that whole rock star mythos is real appealing until you start like looking under the rug. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great theater. Of course. The whole thing is great theater. It's great storytelling. Completely untenable as an actual lifestyle or like, you know, and not not something that. I think a lot of us actually in real life would ever want to do Mm -hmm. aside from, you know, 20,000 people adoring you every day. Oh yeah. But that's different. But that's got to get old too at some point. And I know people that like, and I've been on tour and done shows and things like that, not to the extent of a rock star, but you know, you'd go and you'd do stuff and like, even that's, it's great. You love it and stuff, but there's a moment where you just go like, this isn't nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be. And the trade-off is a lot of artists, you know, regardless of your, your medium are introverts. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to be on all the time. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be on. I mean, you have. A, I have a restaurant Thank job. Thank you. Ugh. It's hard to. It's hard to like show up to your restaurant job and be yeah. like, "Here's my happy face. Here is. I'm. I'm. I'm here to like curate an experience for you." Uh, even even in just like that low stakes of an environment all the time. So to be able, you have to be able to to turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. And I I thank you for that. And I I tried explaining that to people a lot of just. They don't people don't understand like how much I'm an introvert. Like I really don't want people around me a whole lot. And if they, I'm good at like I, I if there are people around me, I can entertain them. 
And if mm-hmm. I can't entertain them, I'd want them nowhere near me. I'll be in the corner by myself. Right. Like, Ooh, that's I, just how I am. I'm really bad in like one-on-one situations right. like that. If I if I'm not su- if I don't know someone very well and I have to sit and like so this is really outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> Mine too, <laughs> like, which is why I do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just for for the sake of visual, we're looking directly at each directly other, directly like, at each other, about a few feet apart. That's mm-hmm. all. Go ahead. Oh no, but you know, if if there's a group of people, I can be very entertaining in a group, and mm-hmm. then I can kind of like bow out and go to the bathroom, like go to the bar, or whatever. But if I have to, if it's just you and me. I got I don't have I don't have a bag of tricks. It's I just got to right? be like genuinely human. It's it is it is hard and that's part of the reason that I admittedly like part of the reason I do this show is it's kind of a project in humanity for me at this mm-hmm. point which sounds so douchey coming out of my mouth. I just said it. But it does feel like a project in humanity like where I force myself to sit and like get to know people and look them in the eye which is something I normally never do. Yeah, well and I think I don't know if this is true for you but like there I do have some sort of adrenaline rush about mm-hmm. this kind of thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. It is it's not quite the same as jumping out of a plane but it is like outside of the comfort zone. Yeah. So it is it's exciting to do in that capacity but it's not something that is like a restorative activity necessarily for people who are introverts. Does it feel performative for you? Like uh, are you in your head when you're talking? It doesn't feel false. Okay. If that's what you mean by performative, it does feel like you know, I thought about what am I going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Do I have you? Do I have enough things that are interesting? You know, get out of your head and just calm down a little bit, sure. kind of thing. So there, I had a, like a, a small pep talk to myself coming up the stairs. But oh, really? Yeah, good. I've been. Yeah, I was. I, I'm nervous too because I mean, you and I don't really know each other. We met once, I think, a couple of years ago. Well, uh, we met once a couple of years ago, but I used to be a regular at Slam Night. Oh, at the Mill. Uh huh. Oh. Did we we talk, don't have to talk about that. No, we don't. Did we talk about that already? I'm sure we did. When we, we met, touched on it. The night that we yeah. like met, met, mm-hmm. I was hammered. So I have no recollection of it. I just remember meeting you and being like, uh, oh, I was probably really embarrassing last night. Well, you sent me, you, I think you sent me a message afterwards that was like, I am so sorry if I was embarrassing. And I was like, no, you were lovely. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you, I don't, because I remember sending that message like, oh no, I think we, because you know, you get the new friend on Facebook mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, oh, we're new friends on Facebook. And then I went, oh no, I must have been embarrassing. And I think I sent you a message and like, you, I seem to remember you not replying to it. Maybe. I, that could be wrong. I'm just saying this was years I ago. I thought I did, but. It could have been whatever. I have, I have, um, you know, I, I sometimes do this with text too, where I will type out something and, and like, then never hit send. Right. Yeah. I get that. Which is possible. I was just like, oh, she must hate me. Cool. Good. Good. No, good. but cool, you cool, were cool, lovely cool. <laughs> and not good. in any oh, way good. embarrassing. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, I, psh, now I'm not nervous anymore. That's good. Uh, anyway, uh, let's jump into something uh, that I always ask everybody. First album you ever bought with your own money? Ooh, with my own money. Digital counts. Uh, well, no, I, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was, uh, Britney Spears' second album, and I was in like God fifth bless grade. You. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with you that. You know, like nothing I was in fifth grade, and that was just the the done thing. Um, but then I didn't, I didn't, because my parents had like just an astonishing uh, record collection. Yeah, and and you know, one of those big books of CDs that there's just mm-hmm. you know hundreds mm-hmm, of pages, mm-hmm. and every one of them has like ten CDs in it. Uh, so I didn't actually buy that much for years because they had all the good stuff. Yeah, that makes like, sense. You know, and like that's how I got into, you know, I got really into Billy Joel and I got really into, <laughs> you know, my dad was a teenager in Iceland in the 70s. So we had a lot of ABBA because that was his like formative pop wow. music. Mm-hmm. Um, still great at like some of the best hooks in pop music, like just fabulous. We will never agree on this. <laughs> you fine. and I will never. Didn't I do this last week with a Did guest? You? I don't, I I mean, don't know. ABBA is one of those bands that like just makes me homicidal and so sure. I don't hate 
I'm not like oh, I hate you, Ava, but like their music. There's something about this, like the production and the sound of that of mm-hmm. those songs that just make me like I well, have to throw something through a window. It's very uniquely like Swedish in that sort mm-hmm. of like very slick commercial way, where like you know nobody's. It's not Joni Mitchell. Like nobody's right. drinking their sorrows away, <laughs> right? Like writing this music, but I think that there. I think that there's a, definitely a place for something that is just something. That, the function of which is just a good time. Sure. Whether or not I agree, yeah, I agree. There's just something about it specifically. I don't know what it is, like where it where it latched into my brain is like this is this makes me angry, but it just does. Have you been to Sweden? No. Yeah. No. It's lovely. Uh, I believe you. We don't really the the this. My family is mostly in in Iceland, and there are a couple in Norway. Mm -hmm. But so, like the continental side of Scandinavia is not something we really. Fair enough. Yeah. Is there like a is there a rivalry? Uh, it's mostly like every Scandinavian country versus Denmark. Yeah, that's what I noticed when I was in because Sweden. They, they were, the, were talking about the Danes. The, Colum- the other, the the Swedes and the Finns also hate each other. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, in the way that like people I know from Australia and people I know from New Zealand talk about hating each other, where yeah. it's just sort of like a friendly like local rivalry. Sure. I think that there are actually are a lot of hard feelings about Denmark being the colonial yeah, power. Yeah. 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 That was yeah. That was pretty much the only negative things I heard when I was in Sweden were about Danes. Were about Denmark in general, right? Yeah. I mean, I would still. I would love to go to to Denmark. There's a lot that I would love to see there. I would love to be there. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I mean, Scandinavia is beautiful. So your your women. So your folks are from Iceland. Uh, my dad is. Okay. My my dad was sort of a prodigy and came here for school. Um, he finished high school at, at 16 and started college. Um, Fancy. I know. And, and then he uh, came straight here. Uh, yeah, well, he finished high school here, started college oh, okay. here. Um, his dad, I think, around the same time was getting some sort of graduate degree here as well. I could have my timeline mixed up. But he got a summer camp job uh, at 17 and met my mom, and they fell madly in love and decided they were going to get married. So, like, my mom was still, she's still a year of high school left uh, and okay. was engaged, and wow. they got married at 18, like, the second that they could. And so. Uh, he stayed, and they're still together. They are. They Holy just celebrated thirty. Wow, uh, seven years. It'll be thirty-eight in August. That's wild. Oh, I know. I tell them, well, you know, they ruined my life because that's sort of like love at first sight, <laughs> right. like lifelong partnership thing. It would be easy to be like, that's not real, but I know that it's real. It is possible, and it's just—it's an outlier, right. but it is possible, right? And yeah. like, great, that is a real thing. I'm never going to have it, but it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing you want, though? You know. Th- I don't know. I go back and forth. I, you know, like we talked about, I'm I'm an introvert and I I need a lot of like me time and, mm-hmm. and like personal space mm-hmm. and um but no, I mean I don't know. I think I think it's sort of human nature to be like, yes, I would like to have a family and like a partner and like a sure. some sort of stability. Um but I don't necessarily know what I want that to look like. Yeah. And I don't think you have to. And this isn't me reassuring you. I'm just saying I don't think one needs to know. Like one has to feel like this is what it's going to sure. look like because it's never going to look like what you think it is. Right. Ever. When mm-hmm. it actually works. Like the relationship I'm in now uh, is very, in a lot of ways is traditional, but in a lot of ways is really untraditional. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, it's not what I anticipated ever, but it just was the thing that worked. So I just keep making it work or I keep working toward it. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that's that's what's kind of exciting about about relationships in general is mm-hmm. uh you 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 can't know you absolutely in no way can ever know what's gonna happen uh which in a lot of ways just terrifies the heck out of me 
I just remembered not to swear in the nick of time. So. No, that's okay. You're doing uh, great. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it is a little terrifying, but it's but it's exciting, and that's like one of the. Frankly, this is like a reason that I wanted to be an, like an actor is you can explore all these things in a way that is uh, pretty safe hmm. with low uh, stakes. How do you mean? Well, um, you can. This is going to sound so douchey because I'm going to be talking about my craft. Um, but but, but that, you, I mean, that's really kind of what you're here for. I so mean, like, a little bit. Not, right. Let's, let's don't feel weird about that. So you you can as authentically as it's possible to experience something without having your own life experience uh, in that in that thing. Uh, feel these feelings and live these moments and find a history or a connection or a future with hmm. a person or a story. And then you get to go home. Yeah. You know, like you can look at it, you can kind of touch it and get your arms around it and kind of see how it feels and like how it fits. Um, and then, yeah, and then you clock out and you cash your check and you thank your agent. Okay. And I guess that makes sense. Like you get to pretend to be in love, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's real. I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of what's really exciting about performance is that it's real when it's happening to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just get good at compartmentalizing. Some people are not good at compartmentalizing. Uh, who are still really brilliant actors, but but it the lines can blur a little bit, I guess, and that's that's when you're in trouble. Are you? I want to get to that, but before I ask that, have you been in love in your life? Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> I I don't. There are a million no, people that are like. Yeah, have they're not like. Been. No, I guess not. I guess not. Yeah, I mean, it was maybe it uh, it was it was a, a product of like a lot of wishful thinking and and like codependency. Ain't I think so. Right. So I wouldn't say like yes, it was great. It was not great, but yeah. it was you know I think pretty authentic. Sure. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, if I look back at my relationship, the first four times I was, like, in love, I'm mm -hmm. like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. You were a child. You were 29, but you were a child. You know, like right. that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's, it's, it's really, what the hell is it? Like, it's undefinable, love, right? Yeah. Oh, God, this is getting douchey <laughs> quick. But, like, it's kind of undefinable, so it's hard for us. But, like, we, um, the reason I bring that up is when I was talking with uh, a friend of mine about writing, and he was... He was listening in. He's an actor. We know, but I'm not going to name him. Uh, he was listening in on a workshop I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about like love with this student of mine. And this is a 30-year-old person that I'm talking to. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so what does it look like? Well, love is this, this. I'm like, don't tell me what it is. What does it feel like? Right. What does it look like? What does it smell like? How does it, what does it actually do? What are the functions of love? Like, if we can't write about the practice of love, we're not ready to write about love as a concept. Right. In my personal opinion. So I feel that going to this point like I feel the same way kind of about acting like if you haven't been in love is it that much harder to try to pretend it or pretend it to make it feel real I don't think so necessarily because I think the you you look for things that you identify as belonging to that feeling mm -hmm. whether or not it's something that you've personally experienced right sure but but like you could say I like I could say uh well I look at my parents and you know my my mom like picks out my dad's outfit every morning. He's totally capable of doing that himself, uh, but she's better at it and like and <laughs> likes doing it, right? Like it's yeah. it's a nice thing that she likes doing, sure. and that's not maybe a universal thing that happens for people. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like just a small way that that is like, hey, I'm thinking about you and what you're going to be doing today, and uh, you know, yeah. So it's just it's just little things. There's a there's a book that like every actor has been forced forced to read multiple times called Audition by Michael Shirtleff, and one of the um, like pillars of that book is in every scene that you're given, uh, look for what's the love in the scene, hmm. right? Like on paper, these people are screaming at each other, they hate each other. Their their language says they hate each other. Sure. They're 
but like find a way to make that about them loving each other and you've already made it 20 times more interesting I gotta read this book I mean I never read it because I never wanted to be like a real actor but yeah I mean it's just it's it's interesting in how um because when you start looking for those things you become very aware of like interpersonal dynamics happening around happening around you Mm -hmm. so you get really good and this is also true of like people who have restaurant jobs or like hospitality jobs, yeah. you get really good at being like, wow, that first date is not going very well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone's like, well, how do you know it's a first date? And you're like, I, I just do. They just do. Experience. Or like, right. Or like these people have been married for 20 years, but they don't like each other. Sure. Like you, you just kind of get really good at translating very small gestures yeah. and, and like interactions and like things that people do for each other uh, into a way that is often – Correct. I'm certainly not going to say always. Like, it's, you can very easily go the wrong way and, and, you know, come up with a narrative that is false. But I think a lot of, especially if your job is to like observe people, mm-hmm. you, you, that's your. I mean, that's your bread and butter. You have to be good at it. Well, and that's that's I, I guess something that I always do, and I get, I stare at people a lot, and I try not to be a creep about it. You know, like, sure. I, but mm-hmm. what I mean is like I'm constantly watching. Oh, the way that this guy touches her shoulder leads me to believe that blah. Like, I'm just stealing small details to right. use elsewhere. Um, right. Not only in life, but, like, in... Yeah, sometimes in life, but also, like, in writing. Like, in you, writing. you just write and mm-hmm. write and write, and you've got to find the details because the, the specifics make it work, right? The specificity kills ambiguity. Blah. But, like, specifics really make something real. Like, I was writing a song this morning. Not bragging. It sucked. But, uh, you know, you're writing it, and I'm trying to think about, like, these small details I can put into this piece that actually make it believable. Because it's so easy to just go out there and be like, everybody's sad, and it's my heart right. is a river. Like, it's easy to, like, talk in well, platitudes, but those details make it real. Yeah, it's it's the showing rather than telling. Of thing. course. Like, I can sit here and tell you, like, I'm feeling all these things, mm-hmm. and, like, this is a color about it. Sure. And, like, here's a, you know, a three-chord minor progression that mm-hmm. deeply <laughs> explains my pain. Yeah. Um, but the small, like, small little acts of intimacy are really interesting to me. Um, because they're either a betrayal because somebody doesn't know you well enough to be putting their hand on the small mm. of your back and like moving past you in a bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or that's protective. Right. And so it's wild, like those really tiny things, what they mean in context and what they illustrate. We're the creepiest pair of creeps I've ever heard. Like, just the, <laughs> the, the, I love the idea that like you're admitting to the fact that, this, that you notice the same things I do, uh, and not because like oh my god, yeah, I feel so seen, but in the like oh, I'm not the only weirdo who notices. No, those no, I think things. it's I think it's necessary. I think I also think that like uh, people who don't pay attention, I'm not saying like creepily observe or you know stalk necessarily, yeah. but like. People who don't pay attention to other people mm-hmm. don't have the same capacity for empathy because they haven't trained that muscle. That's, say that again. <laughs> Just repeat what you said because that was great. Uh, people who don't pay attention to other people lack the capacity for empathy that people who do observe others have. And that's our show. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fun. Oh, creepy. So you, okay, that's great. I, and I, that's really great. That's all. I feel I'm very, I'm very, I don't know what I am today. Anyway, um, I do want to talk about acting in yeah. the, um, we've talked, we've spoken about acting already, obviously, but I want to talk about acting in the like career sense of things. Oh, sure. Cause we've had, 
people in here that have done TV and movies and film yeah. and everything. Like it's you're we're not new to acting, but you had specifically been talking a lot on not only your social media but also in like our interactions via mm-hmm. email and stuff like that about the small minutia of what being on television oh, yeah. involves. Can we kind of take that apart a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of it. Uh, I mean, I, I have been auditioning for TV here for six or seven years. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's been a real TV has been here a while. But yeah. like there's in the last six, seven years, like TV has really boomed in Chicago. Right. And well, and right? that's, you know, that's largely thanks to Dick Wolf. Um, Everything's thanks to Dick Wolf. Wolf, Wolf Entertainment. Dun, dun. Um, Is he alive? Yeah. Have you met him? No. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel. I think like he's like this Howard Hughes character with like you know, uh, yeah, Kleenex and I'm, boxes on his feet. I so. feel like he's probably you know super nice and normal. Please have me back on the show, Mr. Wolf. Um, but yeah, he's kind of he's top tier. He's not going to be at the producer sessions for guest stars in Chicago. Sure. You know, but he um, could be. He'll watch the dailies. Yeah, you know, sure. he'll come to the rap party maybe at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. Um, but it's been really interesting because I um, my agent is the fabulous Casey Hudson at DDO, who's the director of DDO. Um, and she is... What's DDO? You have to help me. Um, it's my agency. Sure. I mean, what is it? what's the acronym? It's the initials of the original founders. It's oh, like so the, it really is just it DDO. Really is, yeah. It wasn't like... Oh, okay. Great. I'm yeah, sorry. so... Do, no, totally. I'm derailing dumb shit. I had to Google that when they signed me. I was like... Okay. Um, so you have, a, um, you have a wonderful agent of DDO who hooks you up with these shows and... Yeah, yeah. well, she... We went to theater school together. We were both undergrads at Columbia. Oh, okay. uh, Chicago, not the Ivy League And that's one. how you ended here? Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she was a performance major who then sort of in her last year realized that she was really, really excellent at the admin side mm-hmm. um, and started casting and became an agent and brought on uh, me and one other actor when she signed with Shirley Hamilton, which was her first agency and mine. And I had no business having an agent. I had no resume to speak of. I was right out of school. But she was like, I think you're really good. Um, and then I, you know, just happened to book the first commercial I auditioned for that I still mm-hmm. get paid for. What was the what was the commercial? Um, it was for Kohler. It was a very specific, like, bathtub shower fixture thing. And were you just like the woman in the sweater standing by it? Like, no, oh, it well, turns I, like, on. I had to get in the tub. I mean, I was oh, like, in a, okay. I was in a bathtub. Uh, with bubbles up to my neck uh, for part of it. But the other part, I was um, I was handing rubber ducks to, like, a demonic little blonde boy <laughs> uh, who, you know, he was three. He didn't want yeah, to be sure. there. His mom really wanted him to be there. Yeah, she wants that paycheck. Yeah, and it was a good paycheck, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, so the, the agency was like, great, okay, you can book stuff. Great, we'll keep you. Uh, but it kind of was was dry for a long time. Like, I've been getting called in for... For like big, pretty big guest stars and like some recurring and some smaller co-stars and stuff on all these shows that shoot in Chicago for years to the point where it kind of became a punchline with, you know, my friends and, and my agent is a very good friend of mine uh, where you might get a check avail, which is like a hold that the mm-hmm. network will place on you. Check avail, by the way, is a I like I want to have a, where's the buzzer? Here it is. I do have a bell, right? So you hear that? I, I'm doing a bit, and I think this is going to be stupid, but I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to, I'm going to commit to the bit. The idea is, like, there are so many um, industry terms that if you're not in the game, like, you have no concept what right. that means. So mm-hmm. what does check avail mean? So it's uh, a hold that the show or network will, will place on your time for the duration of the shoot. Yeah. When it's essentially, we, it's like you and maybe one or two other people that are the final choices. And so they want to make sure that your schedule is clear because TV happens so fast. Like, they right. might book you, and you got to be on set the next day. Of course, yeah. So... That's your sort of, we're 
we like you, we're holding you. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a yeah, huge yeah. deal. Sure. Because um, usually that's after your initial audition, after your callback, after your session with the the directors and the producers of the show. And then they'll call your agent and be like, she's great. We're putting her on hold. And that happened to me three dozen times for like pretty yeah. big parts on so TV. So everybody wants you to come in. Everybody yeah. puts you on hold. And then it just mm-hmm. always zero hour kept falling apart. Uh-huh. And, oh. and the people I know who are like, God, I, I'm always getting put on hold. I'm always getting these track of I'm never booking. They're like, yeah, this is like the sixth time I've been on hold. And I want to be like... Hooker, please. Yeah. <laughs> right, like for years, and so I, you know, you know, cut to me every every couple of weeks in my agent's office. Like, what do I need to be doing? And they're like, you're not doing anything. You're like, you're doing everything right. Mm-hmm. You're doing everything right. It just hasn't landed yet, which is so frustrating to that hear. Happens. Yeah, but is the truth. Yeah, like there. Sometimes it's comforting to know that like you're not actually forgetting something. Mm-hmm. Like you're not. You haven't left out some vital piece that if you just plug it in, it's like that's the answer. To right, your, right, right, right. So there's a lot of, <clears throat> I'm sorry, no, I, go ahead. to cut you off. But so there's, there is a, a, a been a, a gradual increase of shows about show business, movies about yeah. show business in the last like ten years or so. Mm-hmm. I could be, I don't have metrics on this. I'm just saying I notice it a lot more mm-hmm. um, that there are more, more and more shows about show business, uh, and there's always the audition scene, right? Pick an HBO show every right. other, like there's always the audition scene or the whatever it is. Like, what does auditioning actually look like if you're auditioning for, say, a Dick Wolf Chicago? Dick Wolf does all the Chicago magic, yeah, all the, okay, all yeah. the one Chicago stuff. Um, it, so it's it's much more, uh, like boring. I so guess, okay, so than, paint, than it paint would the picture for me. Like, how does it look? So what'll happen is you'll get an email, like maybe if you're lucky a couple days before from your agent that says, here's your appointment time. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like, cool. So I'm going to get my shift covered (laughs) at work. Uh, And you will get the script. Sometimes you'll get the whole script. Sometimes you get like a page or two, like just whatever you're reading in the audition. Um, Those are called sides. Ooh, sides. They are called sides. (laughs) Um, So get your sides. Um, And you go down to the casting office and there are, several really I mean, all, most of Chicago's casting offices are just like the loveliest friendliest places mm-hmm. but it's a business like you're of an course. actor your job is to audition it's not to sure. like show up to your set it's literally to just go on a bunch of auditions yep. a week and it's like I do anywhere from two to five a week mm-hmm. um, you've got your script you walk in you sign in with your SAG number if you're union or you just leave that blank if you're not are you union I am now sweet because spoiler I've been working on TV lately fancy we're gonna get uh, to it um <laughs> But yeah, and then you sit in the waiting room and you try not to be like super chatty, although it's fun because you see if you are doing this for a while, you see a lot of the same people, mm-hmm. especially if you look similar. Right. right. That's actually how I met one of, like right. my best friend in the entire world. Um, we have the same agent and she and I we used to be a lot more similar looking than mm-hmm. we are now, um, but we're still pretty similar. And we just kept seeing each other all the time at the same auditions. And she is a brilliant, brilliant theater actor. She's working all the time on, like, these huge stages in Chicago, just killing it. Um, whereas I've sort of transitioned out of, like, focusing on theater, so I'm, I have been focusing a lot more on camera stuff. So we're not really competing necessarily anymore in that way. But we – it was one of those things where we had just seen each other so many times and, sure. like, had positive interactions with each other that yeah, she yeah. was like, so we're going to be friends. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, this girl's really cool, and uh, I don't know that I have time for more friends right now. Because I'm having, I'm just, I can't do it. Um, I already have one. I'm an introvert. And right. Yeah. I, I have cat. I have a dog. It's. I don't need. Um, but actually, <laughs> we 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 hung out and we we um. I had just like fixed my camera. I had this like 
ancient like Canon digital rebel from like when I had a photography hobby. Mm-hmm. And I just like posted on Facebook like, hey, does somebody want to like be a subject so I can, like, can like walk around and take pictures? And she was like, oh, yeah, me. That can be our hangout. Yeah. Because we've been meaning to hang out. Now we're friends. Right. Because like, we're friends now. Because we're friends now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was so fun. And we just had the best time and ended up like getting coffee and then walking through a cemetery because it was just kind of mm. near where, where we were. Most and, of my dates start that way. Right, actually. start, yeah, start in, a cem- in yeah. a cemetery, and uh, you know the huge thunderstorm rolled in, and it was like Ooh. I know it was it was very much like this could be a Nicholas Sparks film, <laughs> uh, as far as like tropes go. Sure, yeah. And the part that was not Nicholas Sparks is that the closest place to get in from the storm was this like sex shop, so we <laughs> like ducked in and then like <laughs> now it's an HBO show. Right All now right, it's an HBO going. show, and so we du- we ducked in and we're just like walking around looking at stuff and then like uh, telling each other's stories about. Things, utilities, that objects. the wares yes. reminded us of, yes, or personal experience. Anyway, so we bonded very quickly. Um, but that would never. I don't know if you dogged around that for radio's benefit or my benefit. But it was, was for I, radio. Saw, I saw in your face this thing of like, uh, I'm just gonna keep moving. Right, right I'm not, I wasn't yeah. sure what the rules are. No, I, it's it's fine. It's fine. Go on. Uh, no, but but I, that would never have been possible if you know we weren't just running into each other all the time. Yep. Um, and it is sort of weird being like a very homogenous pair of, of like best friends mm-hmm. uh, because I worked on a show very recently where the makeup artist, one of, or she was a hair, one of the hairdressers came up to me and was like, Oh, I saw your show at Goodman. Like I definitely, I've seen you around, like you're such a good actor. And I was like, Oh, that's not me. That's Heather Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> like this woman had yeah. never met me before and never met her, had never seen her before and genuinely thought we were the same person. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, that's so great. I will definitely tell her you said that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's interesting. Like we went on a commercial audition for a gum brand that shall remain nameless, where they asked us to audition as identical twins. <laughs> I wonder which gum brand. It was actually not the one you would expect. <laughs> it was not it really the one. Wasn't? It really oh. was not. I was like, oh, they're re- they're resurrecting the double mint. Thing. It was not double mint. But it, I, so we were all like, oh, really? You're doing twins and you're not double. Mint? Like, what's the hmm. what's your end game here? What are you bringing around? Um, and we went to the callback, and it was, like, us and, and three actual sets of identical twins. Right. And we're just, like, white blonde girls. Yeah. Like, yes, we look similar in that way, but in no way look like You're twins. not twins, right. Um, so they put us on hold for that. And then they called our agent and were like, hey, they're really great. Um, production wants to know, uh, if we don't use them as twins, are they comfortable playing a couple? Are they comfortable with, like, a kissing scene? <laughs> you just got so bashful. Uh, and, okay. And we were like, and so they they like specifically emailed us to be like, this is what production wants to know. Are you guys cool with that? And and we were like, well, I mean, yeah, but but now you made it weird. Yeah. Now <laughs> now we can't be friends. Now every walk through the cemetery is going to feel loaded. I loaded. Yeah. I mean, well, it wasn't even that. It was just like you're looking for us. You're looking at us as sisters, but also you want us to make out. Like that's weird. Mm, yeah. That was the weird part. Yeah. It is a little odd, isn't it? I'm not going to go any further on that. Uh, <laughs> well, but, anyway, so, but that's what auditioning yeah, is I like, do, right? Totally, like, yes, you you just and it's so business like these emails you get that are so business like. Well, they're like, where, well, they will ask, um, how comfortable with tongue are they? Wow, you know, so, or something like that, where it's they just need to know specifically because they sure. got to get the answer to the producer. Yeah, but you're just like. In in uh, another I, life, I guess moderately I getting... comfortable with tongue. I... Right, I'm like, can you tell me who it is? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. Uh, would you remember? I remember the first time I saw like people tongue kissing on a, on TV or in a movie yeah. or something. I was like, what? 
Because we always thought it was that was just a thing you never do. Right. I remember that, like, when that was the, the like, height of scandal. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the, the most sort of taboo thing. Yeah, it was like there was tongue and pubic hair. It was oh bananas. My oh, God. my God. The world is going to right. hell. I uh, think it was, like, I, uh, the Thomas Crown affair or something for sure. me. Were, when, and you saw some boobs. And it was just yeah. like, what? Uh, uh. this is just a lot. This mm-hmm. is just a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and now, you know, any theater dressing room in the entire world, you're like, hey, can you put your boobs away? Because I'm about to open the door. Yeah, there's Great. just constant. Yeah, yeah it's right. just constant. And it's just so matter of fact. Yeah. That, and it's it's very difficult to explain to people who are not yeah. involved in that in some way because most people are not super comfortable with other people's bodies. Yeah. I'm um, not at all. No, I mean, I'm not comfortable with my own body. Let's be, <laughs> I, and I'm not even making a joke. I'm supremely uncomfortable <laughs> with my own body. Um, you know, Midwestern Italian, Italian Catholic. That's how that works. Uh, yeah, just like supremely uncomfortable. So like the first time you're in a, in, first time I was in a, a theater situation where there was like a bunch of people changing and yeah. stuff. It feels kind of like risque and not like ooh sexy, but there's a moment of like oh, strange adrenaline, yeah. like walking up the stairs. Well, like it's you intimate. Had. Yeah, it's, it's very intimate. intimate. It feels that way. And then after like day three, you just go like. <sighs> All right, someone's just going to have to see my nuts. Like, this is just what's going to happen. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it just, at a certain point, becomes a matter yeah. of like pragmatism of like, right. am I going to make my entrance mm-hmm. on time? Yep. And if everybody sees my butt, yep. sorry. That's, that's like, I made my, I made it out on time. Here we are. But I mean, it, there are, which is not to say the boundaries don't get crossed because they definitely do. Of course, yeah. Um, that commercial I was just telling you about, like the first one I ever booked. Um, Wait a minute, you booked that commercial? Yeah. We totally made it. Oh, not the, not the gum one. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the way back, the first one that I. Good. The no, first one. I had this moment of like, wait a minute, we talked about this. And so who did you make out? Did you make out with your best friend? No. How did so, we not start there? Yeah, actually, so I didn't end up doing that one because I got booked on Empire over the same shoot date. So we did not ah. do the gum commercial, but I did go work on Empire and like hang out with Taraji for a couple days, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the one that I mentioned earlier with like me handing, you know, ducks to a little kid. And like yeah, that was my sure, first sure, sure, one yeah. that I ever booked. So that process was, and now I would be like, no, or it would be fine depending on how it was presented to me. But uh, I was, you know, I was so nervous. I'm like, I have an agent now, mm-hmm. and I'm a professional actor. Um, and the first part was like, great. So you're just the first audition is just you hanging out with this kid. Like, are you comfortable working with the kid? And I was 23, and they're like, you're his mom. You're mid 30s. I was like, cool. Uh, which I have been playing, frankly, since I was 23. So hopefully, I can stay in the mid 30s. Like, you do kind of have that look. Like, objectively, you do kind of like. I could, if you were to go, oh, I'm 35, I'd believe it. If you were to go, I'm 25, I go, yep, totally, absolutely. Well, that's great. That's, I mean, that's that, that's that's helpful for you. to me, right? Yeah. Because that's range. Yeah. But at 23, I was like, all right, sure. Um, and so that part was like, yes, I'm comfortable with kids. I worked at summer camp for a long time. Like, I can hang out with this kid and like pretend to show him how to brush his teeth. And then for the callback, they called us right before and said can you please wear a bikini under your clothes for the callback because the ad board just wants to see how you're gonna look because they because they wanted us to be in a bathtub at some point in the spot and this is actual actual water not like prop yeah. foam okay i mean but it was i mean the, the i had bubbles up to my neck you right. couldn't see no, no that's I, of course that's not what i'm saying Anything. but like the, it wasn't a situation where you're you're sitting dry for wet no yeah right. it was it was a full it was a full bathtub yes on a sound stage so it got cold real fast awesome it's extremely fun. And, but this was also um, that really big cold snap. It was like negative 50 or something. It was like 2013, yeah, I remember. 2014. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's early March. And I, you know, went home quickly and like put a bikini on under my, under my clothes. And I walked in like, okay, you can play with the kid now. And usually in an audition situation, it's you, um, the casting director and a casting assistant mm-hmm. and just like someone running the camera. And that's it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this was the entire advertising board of Kohler. This was 20 people. Wow. And I got there just after their lunch break. So they've got like fast food wrappers everywhere. And like they were all very nice, but it had clearly been like a long day. And I had never seen so many people before in my life. So I like sat down and played trucks with the kid for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, you can send the kid out. I sent the kid out and they go, all right, well, we can see the bikini now. So the only thing to do is be like, I guess I will now strip down in front of what are all what's ultimately 25 people creepy on camera and like you know turn around turn around but there's no like you can't duck into a changing room and come back you're just there there it is like fighting my skinny jeans (laughs) like trying to get them off and like hopping on one leg yep and then you know having to then put them back on while everyone's kind of politely averting their eyes right i was just mortified i think now i'd be like well can i just go out and change real quick in the bathroom Mm -hmm. i would have a little bit more confidence to do that yeah um but it was just, and I, and I left being like, oh my God, I just, that was just the worst thing. And then they called me and told me that I booked it. So any apprehension about that went away. Because I was like, yay a job, yay more money than at 23 I had ever seen in my life. Which sure. was not really that much money, but was a good paycheck. Yeah. Um, and then I showed up to the costume fitting for on set. And I walked in and the costume director take, took one look at me and went, oh no. And I was like, I'm sorry, what, what? Like looking around. She goes, they just, they told me you were like super full figured and I don't have anything for you. <laughs> I love where this is going. Go on. Well, and I had, I had, you know, they had my measurements. Right. I was roughly the same size I am now. Sure. Which is like a two or a four. Um, so, you know, like, like, <laughs> know. like, a, you know, like not, not big, certainly. And I just remember it like turning purple and like. And having one of these, like, oh, this is like one of those Hollywood moments where somebody tells you you're fat and then your life is ruined. Mm. Um, but I was playing a mom. And then I saw the right. other people that they cast who were actual runway models. Sure. Who were, you know, six feet tall and like double zeros and like willowy and angular. And who Wait were a minute. In they said the they, didn't, they didn't know. They thought you were super full figured. Yeah. So they were expecting somebody that's. Like bigger. Much bigger, obviously, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So they were expecting somebody bigger. So they had prepped bigger clothes. Yeah. So somewhere in that communication line, you, they had, they assumed that you were bigger because you weren't a runway model? I'm a little... I'm pretty sure that's the gist of it. That's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure that's because the gist of it. Just for visual, like, you're quite a thin human being. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's all fine. I'm, yeah. But it's just funny because, like, you hear... Like, people are speaking just very quickly and very matter-of-factly because everything uh, on camera moves really quickly. Yeah, there's no time. You, you just don't... Yeah, you don't have time. So no one's going to sit there and coddle you unless, you know, you're the A-list star that they've convinced to be on the show for yep. a couple of years. Um and so yeah so when I really like I'm the only one they were doing they were shooting like three or four spots for this product I'm the only one playing a mom everyone else was like young cute couple and they were runway models like they had just pulled models from a lookbook so I was the only actor Mm. so so how do they how do they resolve the whole situation oh she just went shopping she just went shopping and and, but I was like look you had my size card you literally had me on video like in a bikini um, I was really hoping you'd be like, yeah, so they just threw this weird muumu on me and I just had to like walk no, around. Well, they did end up making me wear my own jeans. Like I wore my <gasps> own pants, which is fine. I they know. were, but they were just like, oh, you know, we don't have anything. Do you, did you bring jeans? Do you have your own wardrobe? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also like most commercials, especially non-union will be like, you need to bring your own clothes. <laughs> yep. And they'll just have someone oh, yeah, like yeah, tweak yeah. it. Yeah. So it's not as like commercials are not necessarily as glamorous as say like a tv show where you go in and 
Although when I worked on Empire, they were they were very my first fitting. They were very um, they were trying to be super fashiony. I was playing a talk show producer mm. that uh, Taraji Henson's character is a host on. It's it's sort of like a View sure type yeah. thing. Um, You'll have to forgive me. I've never seen the show. Oh no no well. I've seen, you know, I watch it when my friends are on it and it's like a fun show, but right, I'm, right, I'm not right. necessarily super caught up. Sure. Um, but they were trying to squeeze me into like sample size helmet Lang. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like a two on someone who is five, five is very different from a two on someone who is right. six feet tall. Like the, it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be very different. So I know, can we, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can we please figure out what the hell is, who, which, which dude? Ruined sizing. Right. Like, I, I'm, I was talking about this with my friend Teague the other day. Uh, I'm like, she was going, well, I'm an A. I don't remember her, what size. I Teague, I'm sorry. Uh, but, like, talking about size and numbers, like, why don't you just do it, like, with men, where, like, you you just, you have a waist. The measurement, right. And, a, and an inseam. And then for women, you could have, like, a waist and an inseam and a hip. And then right. just be done. And keep it moving. And Like, why can't we do this? That is really what I what I do. And, the, and I end up buying stuff online all the time because I know my measurements. Sure. Uh, because I've been measured so many times for, yeah, yeah. for fittings and stuff. So I will just be like, I'll look at their size guide and be like, oh, well, this is my waist measurement. That's my inseam. Like, yep. this will fit or like that will definitely not fit. Uh, and it spares me the like harsh fluorescent lighting of the water tower dressing rooms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it, my quality of life is significantly yeah, 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 improved yeah. by just knowing my measurements. God bless you. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. I'm not crazy, right? No, like, you're not. We could just solve this problem. You could just solve it. Yeah, Absolutely. Because anyway. if you go in and you're like, well, I want all of these. All of these pants are like a size eight, and mm-hmm. you, and they'll you can just lay them next to each other, and they are widely different, completely yeah. different. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's so crazy. Anyway, uh, so you got the thing. They dressed you. You had jeans. They were your jeans. I totally lost it. Eight. Oh, two. No, I mean, anyway. it, but it, but it was just it was so <clears throat> interesting because that was my first like professional on camera job. Sure. And it was such a like crash course in. None of this is personal. It's not yep. about you. Yep. We're just trying to make things work very quickly. And you have to get a thick skin pretty much immediately. Because yeah. if you're going <clears> to, <throat> if that kind of stuff is going to bother you, and like there's definitely an argument to be made about like sensitivity and like being kinder to people. Of course, yeah. Um, but it's not always, ultimately, we're responsible for our own like mental well being for the most part. Yep. So you really got to learn pretty quickly that like it's not about you. No yep. one's attacking you yep. because, like, they were surprised when they saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so carrying that attitude and then into auditioning for the next several years is just like, you really just can't take anything personally. You, even nope. when, when they love you, it's maybe not personal. It's like you went in and made a really good decision, or you looked exactly like what they wanted you to look like, what they had in their head. And if they didn't like you, I mean, a couple of things could have happened. Maybe you weren't prepared. That is on you. Mm-hmm. If you were and they still didn't like your choice, that's not a job yeah. for you. Or you could have looked like his ex-girlfriend. The guy, right. You know, or like whatever. bad associations. Like there's too many things. Right. And there are a lot of things where it's it's so funny because I, um, if you ask like my friends or, or people to describe me, you they'd be like, well, she's, you know, kind of, kind of punk rock and has a nose ring and like wears bright colors and, you know, like loud makeup and stuff. But if you ask a casting director, they're like, oh, soft, nice young mom. Yeah. Hard femme. Super. Yeah. Right. right. Like. There's such a dichotomy of like how people see you based on what they need you to be, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just true in real life as well. Yeah. So you get it's just it's very interesting to kind of have a journey of several years of of just learning how people choose to see you based on like what their needs are. So like, let's do the list. Let's uh, what what was the show you just did? 
I just worked on Chicago Med. Chicago Med. Yeah. Okay. And you, I, you're one of many people, I, or a handful of people I know that have done yeah. Med, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. Med, med is my favorite of the three. Um, and I love, I love a procedural. Like, I grew up watching every Law & Order and, you know. So you grew watch, up on Dick Wolf. Yeah. I mean, I watched every SVU. You know, it was. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You're about it, about it. I'm about, I mean, I haven't probably in a while, but, like, I definitely had a college roommate where our hangover days were just SVU marathons. Yeah. Well, I've often made that joke of, like, I wonder if Dick Wolf knew that while he was creating all this TV, it was just going to be fodder for hangovers eventually. Right. Which is, like. Such a high compliment, right? Because people are barely functioning, and like you're the thing they're going to give mm-hmm. their attention to. Yep. Um, so yeah, but or I really, fall asleep and wake up to and go, is this the same episode? Doesn't same, matter. I, Didn't doesn't even matter. matter. It's all the same. Um, but uh, I, I like Med a lot because a Oliver Platt. I can love Oliver Platt. Love Oliver. He's been Platt. like one of my favorite actors since I was a really little kid. I was so geeked that I got to work with them. Like I the read the episode and was like, I'm sorry, I get to have a like huge emotional scene with Oliver Platt. That's so fun for now me. I gotta go watch it. Um, I didn't even know he's on that show. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the stars. And like they, the cast, all of those people seem like they're having so much fun. But also, I'm I'm really intrigued by like um, medical mysteries. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Were you a House fan? Yeah, I loved I was, House. I was about House. Loved House. Um, a, another like cast that I thought was brilliant. Hmm. Um, but I, this show in particular, um, Marissa Ross, who's the casting director of that show and many, many good shows that work in Chicago, uh, has been fantastic to me mm-hmm. and very supportive of me. And that woman has brought me in over and over and over and over for this show for years. Yeah. And she'd put me on hold and then, you know, I wouldn't book it, go to someone out of town, but then the next time she would bring me in for something bigger. So I technically didn't have yeah. like a resume to stand on of like. Here is demonstrable, demonstrable proof I'm capable of doing this. Sure, because you can't just list all the things you've right. gotten like, close. Like, you can't go watch my tape yeah, of... Yeah, I've been availed all these times. Right. right. So she... <laughs> I just enjoy it for myself now. Love it. Um, yeah, so she's been bringing me in a lot, and it just, like, finally landed. Um, and, I mean, really, like, dozens of times. So does it look like... is. Is it a was it just a one off? Is it going to be recurring or? Uh, this is this is uh, just one episode, but gotcha. it's so cool because it I am. I think like one of the I am the top or one of the top billed guest stars on their hundredth episode. Oh, that's cool! Yeah, look at you, uh, fancy pants. I was like, wow, that's a lot. My agent told me that, and I was like, great, I'm going to go throw up now. Um, <laughs> but it was so fun, and everyone, you know, everyone was just really welcoming and really nice, and and no one, no one was like, oh, you're the new kid. It was like, no, come sit with us. It was very, uh, it was really funny, and and I, the first day that I worked. Um, I think we shot, it was like 14 hours. It's a long day. Uh, and these TV star like regulars, they do 10 to 14 hour days mm-hmm. just every day. Yeah. Um, so they, they're working very hard. Yeah. Um, but we, everybody got a little slap happy near the end. And like the best part was, and I can't remember the song right now, but we're, we're sitting in this room having a meeting with my character and a couple other characters. And I can't, for NDA reasons, can't go into detail. Um, but while they're... <laughs> it's a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> yeah. You should probably heard them uh, via Mike Bloomberg. Go on. Ding, ding. Ooh, bing. <laughs> I just felt like it deserved another buzz. It does. It did, because that guy's a dickhead. Ooh. Go on. We're not voting for him. Don't no, tell, tell your parents. Please don't. All right, go on. Uh, Paytha Murkison and Oliver Platt at some point were singing Biggie Small songs to each other and just, like, crying laughing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And Oliver Platt, at some point during the day, had decided that his 
school of acting, should he have one, would just be called WTF. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I think most I think most scenes can be improved. Like, all I have to do is just look at the situation and, and think WTF. Yeah. And that's that's it. That's my acting. <laughs> and we were... <laughs> Uh, and we were joking about it because I was like, yeah, you can be the, the like, neo-Michael Caine instructional video. Sure, of, yeah. Have you ever seen the Michael Caine, like, actor instructional video? No, but I've heard a bunch of the tips. It's fabulous. Like, you take your eye that's furthest from the camera and you put it to the eye of the per like, if the camera was here. You're right. You, you know what I'm talking that's about, That's called crossing the lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey! Now you're in on a bit. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, yeah, so crossing the lens. That's I just yeah. when I heard that, I went, that's genius. How did he think of that? It's like, oh, yeah, he's been doing this since For literally 1904, forever. since the beginning well, of motion picture. Well, he's so funny picture. because yeah. he's so dry about his achievement. Right. Like my favorite Michael Caine quote is, well, I wanted to win an Oscar because I wanted to stop getting scripts with other actors' coffee stains on them. <laughs> and like, that's it. That's yeah. the interview. They're right. like, oh, okay. He's like, yep, so then I won an Oscar. And that was it. Yep. And that was pretty much it. Do you know that in order to do his accent, you just have to think you know his accent and ask for more cocaine? <laughs> I'm serious. This is so much. Uh, yeah, uh, you're you're trying. You're just trying to get me to say more cocaine. Yeah, more yeah. Co- more, more cocaine. cocaine. More yeah. cocaine. <laughs> more cocaine. Uh, who, who who told me that bit? That's somebody else's bit. That's not mine. I'm sorry. Go on. No, it's great. So the the whole day we were doing, we we're you know having these very like dramatic medical scenes. Uh, where you know stuff's happening and it's all very emergent and they would cut and he'd go WTF <laughs> and, and we were all at, at a certain because it was it was it was just very welcoming everyone was in on the joke yeah. so it was you and you just get super slap happy it happens when mm-hmm. when you're just in the space with all these people but the crew was la- like everyone was just dying of laughter and I left the first day of that shoot going man this is really fun and uh Dick Wolf loves to use the same actors over and over and over and over again which if if you've seen multiple episodes yep. multiple seasons of SVU or really any long running Dick Wolf show you'll see a lot of the same guest actors come back that's how you know who the killer was you just go who have i not seen before that guy that yep. guy. he it was right. he's or the like guy. he's the most famous he's guest the most star. famous he's definitely the he's one who the did one. it yep oh robin williams is in this episode killed i wonder wife. who did killed it killed his wife yeah <laughs> right um or like someone will come back as a da and you'll be like wait didn't you huh weren't you like <sighs> The victim of a robbery like three seasons ago? Right. And the answer is yes. So I was like already looking up other like networks that Dick Wolf shows are on. I'm like, well, FBI is running and that's on CBS. And like now there's, there's an a FBI show called FBI now? Yeah. Just FBI. Mm-hmm. They're really running out of ideas. Well, and it's Dick Wolf. But I was like, I mm. would love to um, maybe go work on that show. Because once you work on one Chicago, um, any of the three shows that shoot here, Fire Chicago, PD, uh, you cannot come back for at least three seasons and you can't come back to the same show specifically that you already worked on for five seasons oh no yeah so it's specifically just so that because it's all in the same universe so yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. just repeating faces of course, and it's of such course. a small talent pool in the city relatively would, well it would probably you know if i were in la and new york it would, i would, would be seen for the stuff that i'm getting seen for here in like 15 years sure. of trying as of course yeah of course five yeah um but yeah so i'm already like putting my feelers out with my agent about like what other dick wolf projects can i work on if everyone <laughs> if, if this is how much fun everyone has all right, the time right yeah and then i came back um and did a second day originally i was booked for the whole week but we ended up um squishing all of my stuff onto two days because they had to reshoot something else um so yeah t- i mean tv those like pas do work so, i mean they, the pas are the first person on the set it's production assistant thing yes production assistant uh they're the first person on the set 
So they'll be there at like, you know, your 4.30 or 5 a.m. call before anybody gets to make up and, and they're like coordinating things mm-hmm. and they're the last people to leave. Mm-hmm. So your actors might do a 10-hour day. Your PA is doing 15. Sure. Uh, and they're getting paid the least. Yeah. They're basically interns. Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're holding the whole thing together. Of course. So when even the PAs are having a great time, like, you, you know, it's a good place to work. So that's how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's the show you want to do the most? Like if you, had, if you got one guest spot on one show, you got to pick it. What is it? You know... Criminal Minds just ended before oh I would have said God. Criminal Minds. I thought you were going to be like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know, Barry or, um, you know, something for HBO. And you're like, mm, Criminal Minds, I'm doing it. No, nope, love, I love, I told you, I love a Judge good Judy, procedural. I want to be on Judge Judy. <laughs> love me some Judy. Um, I actually, do, <laughs> I do, I really want to do, I'm like a big Lord of the Rings nerd and a big like fantasy nerd sort of in general. Um, and I really <laughs> like... Almost seriously considered sending my agent an email that was like, how do I get on season two of The Witcher? Like, what are we? (laughs) I don't know what that is, but it sounds totally up your alley. Oh, it's great. So it's it's everything that Game of Thrones failed to do, I think. Um, Again, wrong guy. Great. No, this is perfect because I can talk smack here and you're not going to be offended. Mansplain it all over me. Um, If you're it's. So it's this Polish um, fantasy series that was ad- adapted to a series of video games and then was adapted to – a series of novels, sorry, that was then adapted to video games and then a Polish show. And then Netflix recently made it with um, Henry Cavill. Okay. Uh, and he's got this – That's an actor. Right. <laughs> Please Stel- go on. Stellar please, use of the buzzer. Please, please go on. Uh, he's got this, like, kind of terrible blonde wig and these, like, contacts and it's very – but the whole thing is, like – there's so much humor in it, so it never takes it, and it never takes itself too seriously, but still manages to be really interesting and mm-hmm. really fun. And mm-hmm. um, and I was like, oh wow, look, a fantasy universe where there are like women and black people doing stuff. What? I know, like people who are not you know just white dudes, just just everywhere mm. in the universe, just existing and sure. fighting with swords and doing cool stuff. Um, and I think that I, I watched its eight episodes on Netflix. I watched all of them, I think, in like two days. And that's a big binge for me. I can't sit that long. Uh, but I was like, this is, see, this is fun. This is the kind of thing that's not like doesn't rely on women being raped as like a plot line. Sure. Uh, doesn't rely on like torture porn, which I felt like a lot of is Game this, of Thrones was. Uh, I've never seen Game of Thrones. Like I saw the pilot and I fell asleep. I was so bored. But. Great. That's well, it. So it, I don't know anything else. That show really, for me, was it was too much. It was way. It was just seasons and seasons of like, what's the most creative way we can like mutilate and tor- torture a person? A person sounds cool. And it was, you know, like a, a beautiful, incredible production value. Some really good acting, and then just, what's the worst thing we can do to these people? Gross. Like, let's take this baby from a mother and feed it to dogs in front of her. Like stuff like that. It was yeah. awful. Why? Why? Did you read the books? I, you know, I did, and I quit at about the same time I quit on the show because I was like, "Oh wow, nothing good is ever going to happen," and this is just an exercise in like, what horrible horror. things yeah, can I just... write about people? And it, yeah, w- without without the like success of of like horror as a genre, where like sure there there are like maybe tropes that you're getting in the way that like there that most genre products have like an arc that you sort of expect. Mm-hmm. Or where there's you're winking at the audience, or there's some sort of humor, or there's there's something in it mm-hmm. where there's like some humanity and some life. Sure. And Game of Thrones just never did it for me. I'm gonna get so many uh, messages. No, it's fine. Um, 
but it, yeah. Look, if I don't get messages for half the crap I say on this show, you're definitely not getting Fabulous. messages. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I really, I like, I love a show that can do like a prestige mm. sort of concept. Sure. Without, um, without, without the purpose being to shock you into like being horrified. Yeah. Right, like I don't need to be traumatized by the like stuff I'm consuming. I'm traumatized yeah. by the news cycle. Yeah, I, thank you. I, yeah, I, I've got enough. Like I'm good on trauma. I'm really okay right. on trauma. I've got plenty. Right, which is also I think a, a, a reason why a lot of people. I'm not a big horror fan, but I think that it applies to why a lot of people really like horror and really like true crime and really like, you know, police procedurals mm. or something. Not because we are you know necessarily police stands, mm-hmm. um, but because it's can be very soothing to encounter a world in which like yeah. bad things happen, but then they're taken care of and they're sure, addressed and sure. like people want to address them. Right. Um, and it's just like neat storytelling too. You can, you can consume them in like small amounts. Yeah. And I remember like getting really, I, I'm a big true crime fan and I'm less now that it's cool because I'm a, we total, should talk about that because that's my big thing. Total douchebag. <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as like a band becomes popular, I don't care anymore. As soon as people are like, I know who Ted Bundy is. I was like, screw Ted Bundy. Um, yeah, that was not great. Anyway, um, <laughs> not proud of that, but no, I really got into it uh, when I was young because I was so horrified by the world. Mm-hmm. Like I remember just being 10 watching the news, just being terrified, like just being absolutely like this world is terrible. People are awful. I cannot believe the capacity people have for awful toward each other and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then like, you know, you get that in the world on top of like being bullied and everything else. And like, you just go, Oh, the world is horrible. The right. world is a terrible place. And I'm going to be on defense for my entire life. Mm-hmm. So for so, like, I started deeply researching all the things that terrified me, like deep diving pre-internet. Yeah. Like, so it's really not a cool thing for like 11 year olds to be like, I wonder what the serial Oh, I did the same thing. Like I took all of my dad's like Reader's Digest and Time magazines and like flipped through to the most horrible thing you can find. Yeah. Like here's, and and Reader's Digest in particular always had like a true crime section. I don't think that's what they called it, but it was like, you know. Yeah, yeah dramatic crime cases it was, it was essentially just dateline in a magazine form right, right, right. and that is just what i read all the time yeah so i'm like out of uh good true crime documentaries i've been through all of them mm-hmm. like all the ones that stream i've seen them all i've yep. seen it's just like it, it, the insanity of it i love that it's popular but i do find it weird for myself to just go like you know what i could go for today i always know like what's happening in my brain so yeah. i'm like you know what I want to watch a killer documentary or whatever it is. I know it's like, okay, here's what's happening. (laughs) Here's what's really happening. Uh, You're avoiding the world and you're depressed and you're anxious. And that's why you want to watch this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the exact same way. Um, But, and, and for similar reasons, like it's, it is sort of comforting to me to be like, okay, well we've solved this guy. Mm -hmm. We figured out what happened. Uh, This was awful. Mm-hmm. But here are the facts of it. Sure. Like it's a known quantity as yes. opposed to in most cases, like there's still, you know, people talk about Zodiac and no one knows about what happened with that. And then, you we, know, you want to get into Zodiac. We could get into Go Zodiac. Um, but for the most part, it's a known quantity. Like mm-hmm. the facts are what they are. They're immutable uh, as opposed to like going out into the world and like, I guess you can live with the idea that like maybe something bad will happen to you, but it's always more interesting. To, I feel I feel more like prepared to deal with humanity in some ways because I'm really interested in like yeah. the people on the fringes. Well, and I think it, it makes all the it makes all the small fears become less. Um, 
not palpable, but less like imminent for me. Like it's yeah. like, oh, I've I've seen the capacity for what a human being can do to another human being, and I watched it all day before I got to work. So when right. I got on the train, I was like, I'm not afraid of any of you people. Yeah. Like I'm I'm okay if someone talks to me. I watched some things today. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like I I'm I'm on to you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only creep. Um, that's that's wonderful. All right, Zodiac, real quickly. What do you like? Do you know about the whole case and the whole deal? Uh, well, I guess I guess it depends. I mean, I've read all the Robert Graysmith. I've oh, I know, right? Um, Listen to just entire seasons long podcast cool. series about it, and and so I mean, I feel like which ones have you heard? Um, have you heard Monster. Monster is great. Monster. My friend Michael Butterfield was the main guy that they interviewed throughout the entire. Oh yeah, like he was the primary voice in Monster. That's great. So he and I used to manage a restaurant mm-hmm. together. Um, and I didn't, and he was working on his Zodiac book at the time. And this was before, right before the movie came out. So he was consulting on the movie and was working on his Zodiac book and was like talking to, uh, Vince Bugliosi who wrote, uh, Helter Skelter and Mm -hmm. all this kind of, and and he was just like, you're the only person I know that wants to talk about this. (laughs) You know, so like we'd be sitting in the office and he'd just be like, and I didn't know anything about Zodiac. He's like, so let me tell you the entirety of the Zodiac story. Like annotated with like with uh, with actual visual representation. Right. Do you want to see this FBI file? I'm like, yes, yes, yes <laughs> I want to see the FBI. Are you serious? Yeah, but that was like how I'm like what? So he, I learned that whole case, and he goes, so when it's like this is this person, and then when I was on the phone with Darlene Barron, when I noticed, you know, and he's like, ah, it was so like it was just an absolute like mind job of how cool is this? Yeah. Um. So I'm really glad that he's getting to come up. And by the way, check out uh, Zodiac A to Z is Michael's new thing. It is incredibly exhaustive. If you are a true, true crime fan, this is totally an aside, but if you're a true crime fan and you really like to get in the nerd, small detail, nitty gritty, mm-hmm. Zodiac A to Z is what Michael's working on right now. Go on. Oh, Shout yeah. out, Mike. How you doing, buddy? No, so good. The, I mean, and the, the, there was one, I think it might be the first season of, of the Criminology podcast where the entire season mm-hmm. was just yeah. like, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. About, about Zodiac. Yeah, it's a fascinating case it for is, a lot of reasons. It's super fat. Yeah, and just the the scale of it and then like yeah we actually do have a pretty competent team of investigators on yeah, this thing and right. and still didn't crack it yep and uh the the travel that was involved for this guy and you think about people like you know richard ramirez or the night stalker or whoever who are just sort of chaotic mm-hmm. and there doesn't seem to be that sort of chaos element to someone like the zodiac and i think that's why it's a little bit more frightening is because it all seems so calculated yeah well organized a really well-organized killer who was clearly in a constant state of deviation from himself. Yeah. And so it's it's hard to track because there's mm-hmm. like yes there are signatures but then most of the some a lot of the signatures are overt in that they're intentionally there and they're wrong or that sort of thing or his mo was changing constantly. Right. I, you know he probably just got killed. He's not alive. I don't think. No, we're, we're I don't think gonna, so. I feel like he probably went to prison for something else. For, totally possible. You know. Totally and was possible. just like physically removed from society. Yeah. Well, and what's most fascinating about it, um, to me anyway, is that there are so many suspects. Well, a few like really good suspects. Like you look at it and Robert Graysmith was able to make a career out of going, yep, this is it totally the guy. Arthur Lee Allen. Yeah, it's totally Arthur Lee Allen. But it couldn't have been Lee Allen because if you look at it, you're like, okay, but the fingerprints don't match and the DNA doesn't match and the handwriting. Like all right. the hard evidence completely eliminates lee allen mm-hmm. but every all the circumstantial stuff just is right on him like right. it looks he looks like a perfect suspect except for the fact that he is not and it's been pr- disproved by all actual physical evidence it's amazing yeah well the um and now i mean people are trying to now link the um golden state killer oh jody angelo no uh-uh. right impossible right uh i've done the timeline 
<laughs> good because yeah I've, I've sort of looked at stuff like that yeah. too and i'm like well we just this is how, but this is how badly like you want answers to something mm-hmm. right is it like and and you know maybe like familial dna sure will just mitochondrial uh, dna in yeah we'll crack it it's, it's going to crack point. all of us at some at, point at a certain point i know my sister did a 23 and me and i was like don't, don't do stop that. doing that <laughs> Like, Why? You yeah, well, the FBI now uh, just got. Um, this was a couple days ago, and I, I didn't. I'm not up on this totally, but there was. I saw something about how they were able to subpoena and get the entirety of Ancestry.com's panel. Yeah. So, like, the well, FBI can they, have your entire DNA on file at all times. I think there's an injunction against right. that, right? So they don't have it yet, but they're still trying to do it. But a judge passed it the first time. Like, it went through, I believe, the first time. That's mind-boggling Christ. to me, is that, like, you? not only can we have all your information, we can know where you live, where everything is, but we also have down to your DNA. We know your cellular data. Right. That's Which, m- and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I mostly think that people are not sophisticated enough because they're not to be. conspiracies <laughs> if they're true. Well, right, I'm sorry. Go on. I just I mostly think that the simple answer is often the true answer, and yeah. I don't know that most people are complex enough to perpetuate like that's true huge schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, in theory, great. Like if we had a justice system that uh, was a justice system and anything more than <laughs> you name, a functional good one, <laughs> then. I don't know that that would be an issue. Sure. But we know that people are wrongfully convicted when there is DNA evidence mm-hmm. that doesn't match. Mm-hmm. We know that people on death row die when their their DNA doesn't match. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't doesn't make me feel good. No, it doesn't. So I'm not going to be spitting into a cup if you don't mind. I'm good on that. No, and also like just the just the you know ass forward irony of a xenophobic country uh, being obsessed with finding out. What specific form of immigrant <laughs> they are? I can't remember where I just read this, but someone just being like, "Yeah, the most racist white guy you know who hates immigration ha- is dying to find out where his people came from." Right, I mean, and he's going to say something that's not real. He's going to be like Scotch Irish. I'm like, "Well, Scotch is a tape." <laughs> Go on. Uh, yeah, I I'm just really hoping they all. I think everybody's just really hoping they come back like. 0.2% African just so they could be like, yep, yeah, I'm part black so I can say whatever I want. You know, that joke that... didn't smack as funny. It smacked as <laughs> true. I didn't, I'm sorry. I take that joke back because no, it's, it well, sounded it is, too I true. I mean, it, it sounded, I definitely know. I definitely, it's the same people who were like, well, I'm 116th Cherokee. Yeah, and I sure think that people on the reservation should just stay there. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's, it can so often be just a way to like espouse an ideology. Like, just it's, it's not a get out of jail free card. No, of course not. You know, when I, you know, my my family's Icelandic that we talked about, um, but there are a lot of sort of like neo pagan sort of um, Scandinavian religions are getting a resurgence and really like runes That's and things cool. like that. Well, it's cool in theory until you find out that the people who are really into it are white supremacists. Oh, boo! Right. Mm. So you're like, cool, let me look up some runes or like, let me look up this cool mythological thing or like this symbology. And it's largely been appropriated by like white supremacists to the point where even the word Nordic is kind of a dog whistle. What? Nordic? How? The Nordic ideal. Um. You know, it's it just ends up being appropriated into like any any uh, (laughs) sort of. any sort of non-generic like American identity, mm. I feel like there's a way that it's been appropriated into something racist. Yeah. Bad people just take everything good and make it crap. I know. It sucks. I don't like it very much. But it's fun. You know, it is fun in certain circles when, like, when you see it to call it out and be like, ooh, actually, 
my family's from Iceland and that's not how stuff is done there. Burp, burp. Like that's, ooh, you're super wrong. Yeah. Did you, did, uh, so you, your dad's from Iceland. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you grew up speaking English as well, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up here and my mom is American. So like I, we, we grew up speaking English. Um, no, I mean, your dad grew up speaking English and is it Icelandic? Icelandic, yeah. I, I wasn't mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. I was like, I hope there's not a word for it. I no, don't know. Yeah. So Icelandic and English because mm-hmm. that's pretty much how everyone is in Iceland. Yeah, everyone in Iceland speaks English. At least in the mm-hmm. more, more modern generation. So you grew up just speaking English. You didn't? Did you learn yeah. the language at all? Um, I learned a little bit. Like, not, not enough to be useful, really, because there just isn't... There just, I just didn't have a lot of opportunity sure, to, yeah. to, like, practice it. Um, but it, I... When I when we'd go to Iceland, especially when I was a little bit older, Wait, you've been to Iceland. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's really cool. I actually just went this last summer for my thirtieth birthday, um, and I I wanted to like tag along with my my dad was uh, and my and my parents were going because my dad was doing some ridiculous thirty five mile like mountain terrain ultra marathon, uh, <laughs> and I was like, cool. well, I would love to go, and he was like, well, you can just come with us. So they got an Airbnb. They'd already planned all this stuff, and uh, and I got to stay with my grandparents. <laughs> And just kind of hang out. It was really fun, um, but I, I, I every time I go, I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try really hard, and I've like got some like basic vocabulary, and we're gonna, and they just everyone speaks fluent English, and they just don't want to watch you suffer. Yeah, they're like, no, it's fine. Like you don't need to stop. Mm-hmm. So if Duolingo wants to get on Icelandic, that would help me out <laughs> a lot. But kind of, but don't, but don't you kind of want to? You're like, no, I want to struggle through this terrible. This this language that is not mine, right? Because I want I, I want you to tell me that I did. Yeah, it. well, and I want to you know I want to have that connection. Yeah, too. Well, and, and you know, everyone on my dad's side of the family is multilingual, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's so cool, and it's something that I'm not, and that I'm frankly a little jealous of. Yeah, sure. Um, but it's fun because people will you know going back to the whole immigration thing, people love you know they'll they'll make. Especially like I'm, I grew up in a, in rural Indiana. Where in rural Indiana? Um, Laporte, New Carlisle. Yeah. Do you know you know what I'm talking about? I grew up in a more rural part of Indiana than that. Where? Uh, Wells County, Bluffton, Indiana. Bluffton. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you don't know where that is. I do because I've driven. I worked in Southern Indiana for every summer for like years. So I've driven through like the entire state. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. I uh, my family's all from Chicago, but I grew up. I was born in a small town in Indiana where my dad worked at the Keebler Pretzel Factory. Oh, really? That's a true story. That's adorable. Something like that. It's <laughs> it's something. Well, but it's it's so telling because, uh, you know, and most of the community there is lovely. There mm-hmm. are a lot of people who just uh, are not maybe well-traveled, and that sure. certainly is to do with economic position as well. Not everyone has the opportunity to do that. But it's so telling when you hear someone say something super racist to some like kids speaking Spanish, mm-hmm. right? Like an ESL student. Uh, but then they're really excited. They'll be like, Oh my God, can you speak? Can you say something in Icelandic? Can your dad say something in yeah. Icelandic? That's it's white. So cool. It's exactly. so white. Yep. It literally is just, yep. it's white. Yeah. You hate immigrants except for like, Oh, they're from Iceland. How cool. Right. We're like, you know, my family members, a lot of them had green cards until very recently mm-hmm. um, and lived here for decades yeah. and then became citizens. That wasn't offensive to you. Yeah. But the second, like someone is fleeing political violence yeah. or like gang violence or like just, just frankly wants to make a slightly better life. Like mm-hmm. they're Brown. That's a problem. Yeah. And that's it. That's always what it comes mm-hmm. down to. It was like, I try to explain this to people. I'm like, look, you don't hate immigration. You hate Brown people. That's it. Yeah. Period. End of sentence. That's what you don't like. You don't like people who are different than you. Right. That have a different cultural imprint than you do. Right. 
You didn't mind it when your grandparents came here. No. You didn't mind when your grandparents came in and set up their own neighborhood. No. And, like, it wasn't easy for my dad's family. Like, it wasn't. They worked really hard. Um, They had multiple, like, student visas and had to go back and forth. And green cards are not easy to get. Just just leeches sucking out of America. But, you know, they were white, multilingual Mm -hmm. immigrants with degrees. So while it was very difficult for them and they worked very hard, uh, the barriers simply were not in place for them that there are for people who do not look like them. Yep. And it's a bummer. And I recently have been uh, looking into what it takes for someone to immigrate to the United States Mm -hmm. and also what it takes for someone to immigrate to. I chose Denmark. That's right. I did. Just as a sample. Right. I chose Denmark Mm because Denmark is considered to be, you know, they're. As much as they're hated by your people, uh, they it's are. all friendly. It's a friendly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I would kidding. love to go to Copenhagen. Uh, I'm only kidding. Um, but no, I uh, Renee had spent some time there. A bunch of you know whatever it was. So I was like, all right, Denmark is, seems like a perfectly neutral place to like look at as a and and uh, it has good standing in the EU. The whole deal. Like, what could I do if I wanted to immigrate to Denmark? Right. So I start kind of doing this research because honestly. If uh, your friend uh, Trump gets elected again, I don't know that I'm staying in this. Not country. my friend. There's a bunch of them. Uh, I was, yeah, using that <laughs> facetiously. Um, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't imagine staying in this country another four years uh, under that uh, piece of garbage. Anyway, so um, I'm looking at it, but I'm also going. All right. So, what does it look like if a human being wants to immigrate to the United States now? Mm-hmm. Right. In under any form, any anything, any statute, whatever. And it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. And it's and there's actually um, <laughs> recently I don't remember which agency came out. One of the government agents came out and said, actually, we need more immigrants like now, like we need them today. Right. It was in one of those one of those documents that they released recently about Stephen Miller. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah, yeah, they were yeah. trying to like even even the racist guy in Stephen Miller's like own circle was like, hey, actually, we need. We actually do need this, immigrants. This country is actually built on immigration, and uh, we need it, just not the brown ones. It's basically like the whole subtext right. of the whole thing was like not the brown ones, not the poor ones. We need the, the ones with education and stuff like that. Right. Who don't want to come here because we don't have health care. Because we're a Christian nation. Good times. Anyway, but yeah, it's incredibly difficult for people to immigrate. Like They go, well, I'm just mad that people are trying to break the law, and they're trying to come here illegally. It's like, do you know the legal statute? It's just it's impossible. So what you're saying is you're okay if people live under in terrible conditions uh, as like as uh, under you know refugee state like you just you don't care how bad someone's life is that if, America essentially created that Ameri- yeah right we like, created those refugee situations in other countries right and you're like well you if you can't abide by this incredibly difficult set of laws and, de- and duck through all this red tape even though you can't read or whatever if you can't do those things then you deserve to die poor in another country it's just that it's it's so disgusting it makes my stomach turn right you know well and there's that that whole you know, I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people. Right. Thing. Right. That that really is j- just to the heart of it. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know how to explain that to you because right. we clearly have different priorities. Right. And that's not even a moral superiority thing. That's just a, like I, I truly don't understand the brain function of mm-hmm. someone who would look at people suffering and be like, OK, but you need to fill out this paperwork. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about... It's in about, English. I'm sorry. Mm, Do you not read it? When you're talking about like legal asylum seekers at the mm-hmm. border. Yeah. You know, th- and that's a whole other... That's a whole other. Well, if you thing, hadn't but. broken the law, we wouldn't have taken your kids away and locked them in a cage. Mm-hmm. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. But you broke the law by trying to come here. I, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Right. I'm sorry. You, well, it's in English, and you should know English. Go back home. Right. You know, it's just awful. Like, have you 
ever been driving with your kid in a car and gone above the speed limit because that's the level of misdemeanor <laughs> that you're talking about. Yes. Uh, I can't get too far into I'm going to get way too far into this. If you get too, <laughs> like, I just want to grab people by the I ear know. and just headbutt them in the face and just be like, stop it. Stop talking forever. Just stop it. Jesus. All right. Ring the bell. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just looked at the clock. We're over. Like, we're over. We oh, See? You made it. We made it. You were so worried. <laughs> I, well, I still, like, managed to get angry about stuff maybe four times. <laughs> good. Good. I hope it was all at me. Directed at me. Um, good. So, what else did we not cover? Do we get it all? Think- oh, well, well, the big question then. Worst show you ever did? Worst show I ever did? Worst show you ever did. Could oh. be individual show, could be a whole run, could be one particular night, whatever it is. I This would be a whole hour if I told this story. Uh, like, go, it would be... Well, give, the, me the, give me the Reader's nerd. Digest version. Uh, it was a self-produced play by two guys with a lot of money who decided that they wanted to be playwrights. And Sounds I think good. they were, you know, subscribers to Steppenwolf and were like, mm, yeah, theater, that's a thing we can do. Um, so they just threw what... I mean, really, for Storefront Theater was a lot of money at this production with a first-time director who was doing his best, um, but it was his first time, mm-hmm. and he got in a car accident halfway through the rehearsal process and was on, like, painkillers. So the director got in a car accident. All right, I'm just trying to make sure I'm yeah. Uh, the, I was I was only there exclusively to have two scenes so that, like, the character who was the villain uh, would have someone to monologue his evil plan to so that you would know he was, A, the villain, and B, had an evil plan. <laughs> Um, it's called Bechdel the musical. He literally could ha- <laughs> fun home. Um, he literally could have just said that into an empty space, and I didn't need to be there. But they were paying me more than I'd been paid for a play before, um, and it frankly was the worst script that I've ever read in my life. Um, if you brought like Phoebe Waller Bridge in to do her best, it could be a serviceable off-season SVU episode. Uh, <laughs> As it stood, it was just dreadful and didn't make any sense. Um, and then uh, we had to cancel all the previews because we did not, the set somehow did not get built. <laughs> just didn't cool. get built. We just didn't have one. Was there a stage manager? Uh, yes, it was her first so, show. Yeah. Okay. And she, you know, she was very competent, but but like she was also a 22-year-old woman and who, no one wanted to listen to her. Who wasn't going to go grab the director by the throat and be like, look, this isn't going to go up right. if and you don't knock it off. There's a whole bunch of like, you know, TDP and like other crew people yeah. um, who I, I, and I'm not I'm, I don't even it was several years ago so I'm not even sure like what specifically happened that we didn't have the set um, but I also the guy who was playing the villain if you're looking at um, a man over 40 in non-equity theater there aren't a lot of those because <laughs> if you've been doing it long enough sure you're either union or you don't do it anymore so um, I think they auditioned maybe two guys and one of them was in his 70s and had emphysema and like you couldn't hear him talk so it mm. by default went to this other guy who looked like tom fields as renfield in dracula with a pot belly <laughs> cool. um like round little glasses and and all um, that's fun and he just he he didn't know his lines he didn't know them and then halfway through the run he decided he didn't want to say a line anymore which was the entrance to our first scene so then my line wouldn't make sense <laughs> so what, he decided to cut it or he just stopped saying it so you never knew the entrance uh, well, we entered together, but he decided oh, gotcha. to s- to cut the line halfway through the run. Oh, good, good. But that was also one of the only lines that he actually knew. Like, I'd see this man, like, I'd see the lines flee his head in the middle of the run, like, yeah. in, in the middle of the scene, and then he would just leave. He yeah. would just walk off. And I would have to, like, somehow get the information out in the <laughs> scene. Um, and he cut the line. I was like, we were about, we were about to go on. And I was like, Jeff, you got to say the line. Mm-hmm. You got to say the line. 
it also we're about we're literally about to go on and like yeah. the show's been open you, you just got to say the line and he didn't uh and i came back off and i said i'm probably just going to talk to the director about it like you you please don't cut any more of the script yeah. it, we're open right so the next time we went on he threw like i was doing a crossword puzzle in the scene like he threw it at me and walked off this man, by the way, was like late 50s. So in the scene, he threw something yeah. at you and walked off? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, apropos to the scene? No. He was uh. just mad. And I think he was also mad that he couldn't remember his lines, mm. which he just didn't. Um, and it, to this date, is my favorite review of a show that I've ever read. Which uh, was? <laughs> the opening line, and I wish I could remember who wrote it. But this, I, I will remember the, the, the opening line of the review for the rest of my life. Um, they said, uh, upon sitting down in this theater's upstairs space, I was going to suggest to prospective audience members to sit house left to have a better view of the awkwardly designed set. Now, having seen the play, I recommend sitting anywhere else in Chicago. <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, I keep expecting you to go like, and then he couldn't remember his lines. And then he got with the director and tried to propose a makeout scene. Like I, <laughs> I, I go, that's almost always like what he did write me like a 17 paragraph email about how I was, um, an awful scene partner because I had said, Hey director, can you please ask this actor keep, to keep saying his lines? Yeah. And was like, can you just deal with it? Cause I can't, I'm a scene partner. Like it's not my job. Of course not. It's uh, not your job. Um, and it's also, I'm not in a position of authority to be like, Say your line. So did you respond with... Oh, I just didn't respond. Oh, good. I, I was like... I just forwarded it to the director and the stage manager and sure. was like, you deal with it. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Oh. It was bad. Everything about it was bad. That but sounds awful. It's That's funny bad. now. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I love that review. That's good. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say here? Uh, no, I'm, I think I'm good. I think I, think you I did. covered my bases, right? I think you did really well. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I, I was feeling a little... Uh, and I immediately... Admittedly, I got a email i didn't like this like two minutes before you walked in the door and uh we don't really know each other all that well and i know you were a little nervous and i think you i think we were probably rubbing off on each other a little bit but this worked well, this went great yeah i had fun this went well i'm glad we talked about we the got thing to talk we about with. true crime we talked about true crime and we talk about immigration now we're best friends it's I, true. we're getting to coffee to a, after this you have to this. go to a cemetery with me these <laughs> are the rules um anyway uh hey will you do me i'm gonna do one last thing sure. um i need you to properly pronounce your last name for me one time Thorderson. That's what I said. Good. Because mm-hmm. I had never heard it said out loud. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ever. So I was like, oh, man. Uh, and then I was with, uh, I was at, uh, who was, uh, uh, New American Folk the other day talking to Sarah Guys, right? And she's oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And I said, your name. And then she's like, and then she said, Thorderson. I went, is that how you pronounce it? Because I'm not, I'm, and then I got like shook. Like, oh, no, I've never heard it out loud. What if I say it wrong on the radio? Oh, so no. I've been <laughs> thinking about it nonstop for like a week. So that's good. Oh, well, no, you know. Well, yeah, I'm glad I said it right. I'm yep. glad I heard her say it, or otherwise I've been like. <laughs> also, Sarah Geis is a brilliant actor, and if you can see her in something, you should. Yeah, she's dope. She's super dope. Uh, she's going to come to the show. Oh, good. Basically, the show is just turning into like me talking with. My, it's not that it. It was under the guise of like it's important. No, it's just me hanging out with people, just shooting shit about my friends. Like that's pretty much all we're doing. I think it's effective. I think it's working, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm enjoying it and I hope you're enjoying it too woo hot segue uh, once again uh, that was Alyssa Thurdarson Thurdarson Alyssa Thurdarson is that what you said Thorderson Thorderson Thord Thordon Thorth Thorderson Reykjavik Reykjavik uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa Thorderson, uh, who is uh, wonderful. And, uh, of course, you're always listening to Bust Mouth, uh, B-U-S-T-E-D-M-U-T-H dot com. Shots, uh, you can find me all over the place. And we can find Alyssa where on the uh, social meds slash whatever? Uh, probably the best one is my Instagram. It's Alyssa, uh, A-L-Y-S-S-A, and then Thor's Hammer. It's all one word. It's phonetic. Mm. 
Yeah, Thor's hammer. Follow me for a lot of cat and Shih Tzu content. Shih Tzu content? Yeah, I have a 12-year-old oh, Shih Tzu. Oh, okay. Cute. Gotcha. Now, all right, now it's all starting to come together. Yeah, so uh, get up on the Instagram. You can always follow me at JWBasillo, J-W-B as in boy, A-S as in Sam, I-L-O. Of course, you probably know that already if you're listening. But if not, at least uh, we're here to learn uh, and we're here to play. It is uh, 2.13 in the Windy City. Oh, what a jerk off I am. Anyway, <laughs> it's 2.13. I hope you're having a good day and uh, that you're doing it. Next week, uh, Elizabeth Gomez, I believe, is who we have in uh, for who founded uh, Windy City Rollers and Hose and a few other things. She's rad. She's going to be in next week. Got a whole bunch of really cool guests coming up, and I can't wait to talk to you about them and share them with you. Uh, have a good day. Be nice to each other, and most importantly, be nice to yourself. That's right. That's what we're going with today. And uh, who are we going out with? You know what? Little Wolf Parade. That's what we're doing. Uh, we'll see you next week.